And this is Chuck Wolf. You're listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. And it's uh, been a while since I've been here live. And it's nice to be on with you today. And I want to thank everybody who's tuning in. Thank you for all those of you who are regular listeners. And also for anybody that might be new to the show, you know, that never really heard the show before. I always spend a little time talking about what the show's about and uh, trying to give you some insights so you uh, know what to expect for the show. The show's, again, take the wheel and control how you feel. It's about an emotion roadmap, helping you plan out the emotions that you want to feel, need to feel, would be ideal to feel, as opposed to maybe what you might be feeling right now. Uh, what you might be feeling as you think about situations that you face in your life that are challenging. So the show is the uh, the best efforts on on my part to share with you some of the great learnings I've had, had the good fortune of being exposed to over the years with the people that are pioneers in emotional intelligence, uh, the people who are pioneers in the area of organization behavior, and some of the great uh, teachers uh, from Yale and Harvard University that I've had the pleasure to work with. And I want to share that expertise with you in ways that help make life better for you. The biggest reason I do this show is a volunteer. And I, I have to say, this is the, sort of the anniversary of my 13th year. I'm about to start my 14th year going into January. So it's exciting. Um, when a, uh, a friend of mine, Lou Pomalis, who's another programmer on, on this station, on WPKN, uh, asked me some years ago if I'd like to be a, uh, a part of the radio station because he, he really liked the way that um, I taught him when he was a graduate student at the University of Hartford and I was teaching about uh, emotional intelligence and organizations. It was the opportunity for me to share with the graduate students in that class this concept that I called an emotion roadmap. And it's the idea that sometimes our emotions, while always informative, aren't always helpful. So as an example, if you consider the idea that there are times when you want to feel confident and you're feeling very anxious, the anxious part of you is a recognition that you might stumble or fall or be incoherent if you have to speak or you may not say the right things if you've got a conflict that you're, cha that you're dealing with that's challenging. And while you're dealing with all of that, you're feeling very anxious. And so the strategy that I have employed over the years is to say to people, if what you're feeling isn't helpful, if it's not helpful, what would be ideal to feel? What would actually be ideal for you to feel? And so that's the key question, right? What would be ideal for you to feel is really an important question because it changes the way you think about feelings. And that's just something really important. So let me ask you just to think for a moment. Take a moment and think about it. I'll give you just a minute to think about, is there anything in your life now that's very challenging, that you're unsure about, where you feel some uncertainty, some self-doubt about how to proceed? Is there something in your work life, family life, community, anywhere that might be challenging to you? And if there is, just stop and think about it for a moment. And I'll give you a minute just to think, and then I'll ask you about it. But think, if you can, about any situation like that, and ask yourself, what are the feelings involved? I'll give you a minute to think about that right now.
I hope you had a chance to think about that because if you're like a lot of other smart people who listen to WPKN uh, and you're stuck, it's not unusual that something emotional is happening within you. Something inside of you is conflicted, emotionally conflicted, uncertain that what you might be thinking you need to do might make matters worse rather than better. Or it may not be something internal that you're trying to decide, but something with another person. You know, where you've got something that you've got to tell somebody. It's important for you to say, it's important that people are accountable, you're accountable, they're accountable, and there's a tough conversation that you have to have, and you're worried about how to have that conversation. And that shows up in all kinds of ways in life. So the show is about helping people to deal with the challenges we face throughout our lives. Sometimes they're small, but they're meaningful. Sometimes they're large and consequential, very consequential. Like, what should I take that new job? Should I buy that home? Should I take my retirement money now? So th- th- there's lots of things that are challenging internally. And then the, the challenges that we face with, how do I talk to my daughter about where she's headed with her life? Because I'm concerned that it's not the right direction and that she'll suffer as a result. And I'm trying to figure out a way to tell her that without insulting her, without making her feel like I'm telling her what she needs to do with her life. How do I help her? Or how do I talk to my partner in life about a circumstance where I'm uncomfortable with the way they are behaving? And I want to say something, but I care so much about my partner. I don't want to hurt his or her feelings. I don't, I don't want to make this worse. I want to make this better. How do, I, how do I have those kind of conversations? So in any case, as I'm sure you're thinking as you're listening, there's lots of challenges we face throughout our lives. And I can tell you that thinking about how I want to feel, helping other people to think about how they want to feel, not just themselves, but the others that they're interacting with, has been enormously powerful in making people's lives better. Now, for regular listeners to the show, I know I haven't been available in a while, so I want to make this right away available to you to call in in case you want to talk to me and you've got something that you've waited to share and you'd like some help with. I offer during the one one hour every first and second Wednesday of the month a chance for you to call me and share with me something going on for you. And as you share with me a little bit of the context of what's happening in your life that you're concerned about, then I want to know how I can help you. And I do that by going through this steps in the process I call an emotion roadmap. I'll ask you, how are you feeling? Is there anybody else that's key to what's going on or is it just something internal to you? If there's someone else that's important to the situation, really key, what is he or she or they feeling? And then I'll ask you, if you could make magic happen, what would be ideal to feel? What would you really want to feel right now about this? And what would you want him, her, or them to feel? And then let's talk about how we get from what you are feeling to what would be ideal to feel. Now, the reason I do this is because some of what I learned about emotional intelligence from some of the very, very smart people in the world who have studied this for years is that um, emotions, certain emotions are much better for particular goals or tasks To be able to achieve those tasks, it's better to feel one way rather than another way, to feel one emotion rather than another emotion. A quick example is um, if somebody asks you for uh, to share 
any and all creative ideas you have about how to start a new product design or um, what you might do for vacation that includes what everybody wants to do. And everybody's asking for everybody's best creativity. And you feel like, okay, and you toss something out and somebody says, ah, that's a dumb idea. And you say, really? Okay, I guess I'm not going to share any more ideas then. I thought you asked for any idea. And all of a sudden you get defensive because now you don't feel so open. You don't feel safe and you feel criticized. But what if somebody says, oh, okay, well, I don't know, maybe. What else? What has anybody else got? Thanks for offering that one. You know, it, it, how, how, you want to feel encouraged in that environment. You want to feel safe. You want to feel um, cared about, supported when you're trying to be creative with ideas. But if you feel like you might be criticized and you might feel defensive, all that works counter to what you're trying to accomplish. My point is the emotions you feel impact how you can go about getting your business done. And when I learned that certain emotions are better than other emotions for a particular task, and I thought, well, how about any time any individual is ever stuck with a situation that they're really unclear about how to proceed, then I wonder what role emotion plays in that. And I find that it plays an enormous role in almost everybody around these kinds of concerns. And so I walk you through these steps. If you call in, I'll take you through how are you feeling? Who else is key? How is he or she are they feeling? What would be ideal to feel? And how do we get there? That's the third question. The key question is how do we get from feeling anxious to confident, from feeling panicked to calm, from feeling angry to resolved? How do, how do you make those kinds of changes happen? And I can help you with that. And in helping you, I try to help everybody who's out there who can, wants to learn how to do this for themselves. It's a life changer for a lot of people that I've worked closely with. And I hope for all of you who are listeners, it's made that kind of difference for you in some meaningful way. Something's positives come out of this. So let me just see if anybody wants to call. I'll give you the number and you're welcome to call me right now. 203-336-9756. Now, once in a while, I have somebody who's kind of thinking about calling and wondering, should I make the call? Can Chuck Wolf really help me with this? <laughs> uh I think the results, if you've listened regularly, are pretty clear that I help a lot of people. I can't help everybody, but I can help you probably, and you won't know unless you call. So again, 203-336-9756. This shows the emotion roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. Here's my first call. Hi, this is Chuck. You're on the air. Who am I talking to, please? Hello? Hello? Ah, I'm not hearing you. Just a second. Let's see. Well, okay, I'm, I can hear you now, I think. Go ahead. Okay, Mark Hanlon, and how you been, Chuck? Good, Mark. How are you? Good, thank you. So, I've got a simple one for you. I won't give you my tough ones. My simplest challenge is uh, with my automobile. I, I was driving a junky old car, and it broke down one Sunday afternoon about a month ago. <clears throat> And the next day I was on my way to, to uh, my mechanic to, to bring him there and uh, try and get it going. I got a call by the, from the Danbury police, and they told me they were going to have my car towed because it wasn't insured. They, it was on the side of the road. I said, geez, I didn't realize that. <clears throat> anyway, they had my tow, 
my car towed. And uh, sure enough, it was insured, and it was towed without reason. Wow. So, so I called the tow company, and I tell them, you know, that they towed my car, and they, they really shouldn't have, but they don't want to deal with that. They, uh, they want me to pay them for towing my car, and they want me to give them my car. They want me to give them the title of my car and give them $150. <laughs> and I'm like bent out of shape because uh, they had no right to even tow it. Wow. And I, I talked to the police about it, and they said, well, we don't know. We can't do nothing. Uh, <clears throat> they blame, I guess, the motor vehicle department. I haven't spoken with motor vehicle yet, but uh, that that's what I'm dealing with. My car was towed, and it was towed without for no reason because somehow the police were, were told it wasn't insured. And I guess the motor vehicle will probably blame my insurance company. I talked to my insurance company, and uh, and they just said, "Oh, we'll give you proof that it was insured." You know, so I got proof that it was insured, but that's that's not going to do me no good. I can't. I don't know what's going to do me any good. I don't know how to get my car back. Yeah, and, I and said this, uh, Mark. This is one of your simple ones. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is simple. How do I? How do I? I like yeah. I'm. Whoever I call, I'm going to get angry with because I feel uh, I feel wronged. I feel ripped off, and uh, and my temper starts flaring when I you sure. know when I'm I'm talking under that kind of a emotion. And so I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, figure out who, okay. what I should do. So so first of all, you you're recognizing that you get angry and at an injustice, which this certainly sounds like it is. And that's an appropriate, you know, reaction to an injustice. However, it's not the best reaction to get done what you need. Because actually, some people are feeling pretty angry themselves. The tow company, if they're not going to get paid, what's that about? They were told by the police that this was uninsured. And they towed it like they were supposed to. So they're not dealing with what your your concerns are. They just know they were asked to do something. They performed successfully what they were asked to do. And now you're telling them that you're not paying them. And that, so they're going to be upset, right? Yeah, they're upset. And, and really not because of anything they did wrong. Yeah, it's, yeah. Right? I mean, so I wouldn't be mm -hmm. mad at them. There's no point. But is no. the police... Again, who did you talk to that told you? I don't you know. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I would say to the police, I need to track this down because this was an injustice, right? You understand my concern. I wasn't sure. You were told, it, you, you know, that um, it wasn't insured. And I need to know who told you that because I'm not blaming you, but I need to know who said this to you because... I'm being asked to pay something that's totally unfair and, you know, unjustified. And, and so I think if you can understand, Mark, that this is a pain in the neck and that it's frustrating and it happened for no legitimate reason. And yet we all have to deal with stuff that happens unexpectedly. I'll tell you about something that happened to me the other day in a moment when we're done with this. But I mean, it just things show up out of nowhere that cause you to be very concerned and upset and it's legitimate. 
But you don't want to be mad at the people that were just doing what was expected of them. Nobody did anything wrong here except the registration company, uh, or the Department of Motor Vehicles, rather, who had misinformation. And then I, I guess the question is, once you know who said it and you track down where this information came from and you can prove it's wrong, what then? Right. I mean, what what's supposed right. to happen then? I mean, if nobody did anything wrong, but the tow company expects to be paid for a service they did because they were asked to and they did it the, the way they were supposed to. Uh, yeah. And the police did what they were supposed to do. Everybody did what they were supposed to do. And the Department of Motor Vehicles person, whoever spoke to them, looked at the information that person had and said, not insured, tow it, I guess. So, so nobody, nobody. You shouldn't really be mad at anybody in this. You, what you want is just that it's resolved, and somehow somebody pays the tow company. Maybe it's the state because they had the wrong information. Maybe it's the insurance company because they didn't supply it. Maybe it's on you somehow because you needed when you got <laughs> this car. Ain't that the way it's going to go? Well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to lay I'm out for you what's likely to happen, right? Pardon me. I said, I'm just trying to lay out for you what's likely to happen. And I don't see yeah. any purpose in getting mad at people along the way because they didn't really do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Not from their perspective. And so yeah. being mad at them, they'll just get angry with you because, hey, listen, I just did what I was supposed to. Yeah, now, exactly. if, you can, if you find, Mark, that somehow when you got this car, there was something you were supposed to do, then you're going to have to live with that in case it's something that yeah. falls onto you. But if it wasn't, no, if it was I, supposed to happen from the insurance company, then I think they should pay. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's probably the insurance company's fault. That's my, that's what I suspect that they must have told the motor vehicles that I I stopped my insurance or something. But I never did. Yeah, I I'm not sure. Time. That that's what that's what you need to find out because it, mm-hmm. if it's if it falls on them, then I think you've got a recourse, small claims court maybe or something. But if you yeah. if it falls on you for something something that somehow you were supposed to know you were supposed to do, then you just got to yeah. live with it. They take the money out of my banking account every month. I I haven't had the car for months, and I'm still paying the insurance on it. Yeah. It's still insured, you know. So. But that's what uh-huh. you got to, does that make sense about, I mean, if, if it's me, I'm trying to calmly think logically what happened, yeah. why it might've happened. Was there something I was supposed to do I didn't know about? Yeah. Or did the insurance company fall down? If the insurance company fell down, then I think you go to the Better Business Bureau. I've had a lot of luck with the Better Business Bureau. I, I mean, if the insurance company won't, won't pay for it, if they, uh-huh. but I think I go to the Better Business Bureau and start there and then, um, yeah. You know, That's a good idea. Oh, with I the insur- insurance commissioner, I'd go there second. But the Better Business mm-hmm. Bureau, I've had pretty good luck with when something's wrong like that. But again, I don't know it's the insurance company. Maybe it's something that you were supposed to do somehow. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I really don't think I was at fault. Like I say, I pay every month. So what? what yeah, else? no, I, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I just don't know. That's all. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Chuck. I okay. appreciate your input. Yeah, thanks. Like Have a good show. holiday. I hope, I hope things Thank turn out for you. Okay, bye-bye. Oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to hang up. Uh, just getting used to the phones again. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit unusual. But again, hopefully you, you see the role of motions playing all this. Because if I'm in Mark's shoes, I'm mad at the tow company. I'm mad at, the pol- I'm mad at everybody, right? Because nothing I did as far as he, he's concerned. And 
my guess is just listening to him, he's probably right, but I don't know. So part of this is just kind of thinking through how it all works together and what are the emotions that are involved and kind of trying to untangle them. And that's what we did at that call. So if you've got something on your mind and you'd like to call 203-336-9756, 203-336-9756. And you're listening to the Emotion Roadmap, Take the Wheel and Control How You Feel. And I'm Chuck Wolf. And one of the things I'd like to just chat a bit about today is um, it is the anniversary of the Sandy Hook horrific massacre of all those young people and, you know, some of their teachers and administrators and so forth. Um, a horrible day uh, in our history. And um, thoughts, prayers go out to all the families who are living with the results of that horrific day. Um uh, but, you know, I, I try to keep my show as uplifting as I possibly can. <laughs> and so um, I do want to make a, a comment about something that came out of that horrific event that was a good thing. The Sandy Hook uh, Promise Foundation, the group of people, parents, um, thought that one of the things that created this event and the way that it came down um, was something to do with mental health, with the shooter's mental health, and you know maybe his experiences in the in the school, maybe being left out, feeling isolated, feeling bullied, um, feeling like an outcast, um, angry about life at home, maybe at school, where whatever. And one of the things that Sandy Hook parents got together and have done is to create social and emotional learning. And I've done another radio show about that. And I don't, I don't want to talk a lot about what is in that program other than to say that over the years, since they, they, they created the tools and the teachings for how to make children feel more accepted, all children feel more accepted, people to feel more comfortable in their own skin, feel better about being at school, feeling like they're not alone, they're not isolated, they are included. They're more alike than they're different somehow. That they have provided tools to school systems all over the place that actually help schools implement what they've created in the way of teaching tools to support social and emotional learning for children. And they do it at really minimal cost, you know, with expenses, but they, a lot of it's free what they offer. And I just want to salute all those people that have taken that horrible, terrible day and try to make something positive come out of it. And um, I encourage you to go to their website and just learn about it. It's something worth, I think, paying attention to as we remember um, all the people that were impacted that day and how, at least in some, some significant ways, they've made life better for a lot of people. Um, in their own families, perhaps, as well as other school systems. So I wanted to share that. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about the holidays. Last week's show, I included a phone call from a fellow, a regular listener uh, at one time, Jim, who was talking about bringing his um, young adult children. I think his son was in his 20s and his daughter was around 17 uh, to meet a new partner. He had been divorced from their mother 
and he was bringing them to meet his a new partner for the first time. And it was around the holiday times, and he wanted to make sure he did it right. And I had been talking on, at that day about conflict, uh, about trying to find a way to deal with conflict uh, in a way where you didn't, it didn't result in someone winning and, and someone else losing. That there are often creative ways, innovative ways to manage conflict such that it comes out that somehow both parties win. And you got to be really creative around how you do that. But he was, he was listening to that and he said, you know, Chuck, I'd like to get your help in thinking about how I bring all of this, my, my partner together with my daughter and my son for the first time. And we talked about how each person might be feeling about the day, about how he wanted them to feel, how he was feeling himself and how he wanted to feel. And we laid out a game plan that, you know, invited his son to be a partner with him and and helping to plan how the day was going to go and making sure that his son knew he was really important to him to be included in the conversation. And let's focus on your sister, uh, my daughter in the beginning, because I think, you know, I think that will be important to her. He talked to his partner about, hey, I'm not going to focus on you in the beginning. I want to really spend a lot of time uh, talking to my kids about them. They're still my kids. They're still a, ma- they're a major part of my life. They're really critically important to me. And after they feel comfortable, let's, you and I, talking to his partner, think about the kinds of things that you might share with them about you that I know they would have some interest in so that we kind of bridge that gap when we get to it. But please don't feel like I'm neglecting you in the beginning because I want to focus first on my daughter with my son's help. (laughs) And then as we feel more comfortable with each other, I'll bring you into the conversation and mention and then pick the topics that he thought the daughter and the son might relate to. Anyway, we, we spend a lot of time talking about how to plan emotionally how you want people to feel. So I encourage you, as you think about your holiday season coming up, your holiday gatherings, people you're going to be with, um, you know, we've got, <laughs> we've got this political divide that's uh, unbelievable it's still to me at some level because it's pulled families apart. And I, I just think anything we think about politics should never pull families apart, but it does, unfortunately. And I've been trying to find ways to help people cope with that. But anyway, trying to keep politics, maybe religion, other things out of it that are really controversial if you can. Or if somebody really wants to talk about those things, invite them to talk about that with a person who might want to talk about that with them, not with the whole table, the whole group of people where other people are not interested and don't want to go down that road. Just finding ways to make people feel as comfortable and loved and cared about as you can while we're together for the short time holiday season is with us. Just remember how much you love people, even sometimes when you don't like those same people very much because of certain attitudes or opinions they may hold. Um, I think that's a really important message, and I I hope that resonates with you. Um, I do want to encourage those of you that... um, Want to understand a little bit more about bridging the political divide? There's a group called Braver Angels. If you're a regular listener, you know I've talked about them on the show before. Uh, They are having a meeting tonight. If you want to attend, it's a Zoom meeting. So you, you need to register online. So hopefully you're computer savvy and you can either use your smartphone or you can use um, 
a desktop computer to look up Braver Angels, Braver, B-R-A-V-E-R, Angels Alliance, Connecticut. And it'll take you to their webpage and you'll see they have different events. And every second Wednesday of the month, I believe, they have a new member orientation and um, uh, the first part of their meeting is a new member orientation. And then following that is a, um, um, a, a what you might do as a volunteer, how to volunteer with them. And the reason I'm bringing up their name is that they are absolutely brilliant at helping people be empathically caring about other people with different opinions. Uh, Bill Doherty, who um, his his original work and his continue, he continues as a marital therapist, and he uses techniques from marital therapy to help people bridge the differences in their opinions. Uh, they have workshops about being red, which refers to conservatism or republicanism, uh, in a blue state, or being blue in a red state. Blue refers to liberal or progressive Democrats, typically. And it, it just helps you to understand how to talk with one another when you want to have a conversation with someone. So it, I think, again, I encourage you, if you have a concern about that, to tune in tonight um, or any second Wednesday going forward to uh, Braver Angels, Connecticut Alliance or Alliance Connecticut. I think you'll find it on the web pretty easily. I did this morning just to Google it to make sure when I share this with you um, that I'd be able to tell you that. Um, so that, that was something I wanted to encourage people to think about and to plan for emotionally. Now, um, I also wanted to say something about the new year coming up. But first, let me give a, a call or a chance in case anybody else wants to call again. 203 336-9756-203-336-9756. And actually, before I leave this topic, I'll just share with you this, uh, this, this really grand advice, I think, from uh, Craig Ferguson. And uh, Craig said that um, one of the things he's learned in life about controversial topics and so forth is that um, he finds himself being a lot smarter about how he deals with those topics when he goes through a series of questions when he has something he wants to respond to. But first, let me take a phone call. Hi, this is Chuck Wolf. You're on the air. Who am I talking to, please? Jimmy Griffin. Oh, hi, Jimmy. How you doing? Good. Good. How can I help you today? Well, um, last time you were on, I think it was a recorded one because I called in and she said, actually, you weren't there. Right, right. Last week. Mm -hmm. And um, you had a guy that said, um, if you want your employees to care about their clients. Their customers better... and clients, right. And I had an anecdote to reinforce that. I used to survey and we'd eat out a lot. If I went into the bathroom of a restaurant and it was terrible, you knew the kitchen was probably terrible and you knew the employees weren't getting treated right. If they didn't care about the bathroom or anything, and probably not a good place to eat. <laughs> Man, uh, you know, you, you know you, yeah, I agree I agree with you, and I found myself at times walking in a bathroom saying, oh, my God, we're stuck here, and I've got to eat here. <laughs> but that means the guy treats his employees right if, if that's a priority. Yeah, that's a great comment, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, go ahead. 
got a, a thing from the Dalai Lama, and his quote is, the more we care for the happiness of others, the greater our own sense of well-being becomes. You know, that's so, I mean, for me, Jim, that resonates. That's why I do the show. Yeah. If, if I'm able to help somebody in any way, shape or form going forward, and somebody feels like they got some help from me, I mean, that's a, that's a gift to me. That's how I feel about it. He used to say that altruism was actually selfish because the more you did it, the more you improved or something like that. But he's just so great. I always use him as a, uh, if I'm not sure. And I, it's just a good thing to keep in mind. It's a lovely thing to keep in mind. Yeah, The fellow that you're talking about was uh, John Caparella. John has won all kinds of awards for you know his hospitality business, uh, being a leading uh, leader in multiple situations where I, I got to work with him many years ago, early on, known each other over 30 years now. And um, I, I've just never known anybody who really believes to the level that John does how important it is, especially in the hospitality business. You think about it, right? You think about coming in the door in, um, of a hotel. And, yeah, yeah. Right? And you see, like, all kinds of people there. Uh, and you know you're going to wait in line for 15, 20 minutes because there's only, like, two people at the front desk. And all of a sudden, three more people pop out, right? And, and the line just goes, and you're done within three or four minutes. And it's like, wow, okay, that's impressive. And then if you're in a meeting room because you have a business that you're running a conference and you have a big meeting and all of a sudden something's not working and you have a phone number and within seconds it's fixed. That's, yeah. that's a, and he said, what John said was when you have employees who feel like, and I was, uh, this goes back to the, what I said last week on the recorded show was, you know, there's research in the hotel business that premium profits lie in loyalty to the brand. Right. And what they find is that if somebody loves the place that they come to, it's because right. of how they're treated. Right. Well, how do you get people to treat people so they want to love, they love the, the brand and want to come back? And one of the things he said was, when I showed him the research that was done out of Cornell, um, I said, John, here's some interesting research. It says people want to feel welcome, comfortable, important, and, and cared about. And, and if you can do those things big time, better than anybody else, you're going to have people keep coming back to your property. And he said, oh. you know, Chuck, I know that. But the way I think about it is I want to make sure everybody that works for me feels that way. Because if because, all my employees feel welcome, comfortable and important and cared about, then I know yeah. that's what they're going to treat the, the person that they interact with. And in the hospitality right. business, almost everybody interacts with the customer. Right. right. So that was what it was about. Yeah, it was yeah. Pretty, John's a great guy. I had him on for a few different things, and uh, you know, um, I think one of the best jobs he had for a long time was he was the president of the Venetian Palazzo Hotels and the Sands Convention Center out in Las Vegas, and he was interacting wow. with all the top celebrities and some of the people who are leaders in the world because they came to those places. You know, right. pretty neat, pretty neat stuff. And again, he won awards out there too. So. Anyway, thanks for thanks for the call, and Jim, I appreciate it, and thanks for sharing what the Dalai Lama said and your own thoughts. It's really, yep. really great. Uh, it makes, it makes me think more about where I'm eating, though. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Just check out the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks Goodbye. a lot. Take care, Goodbye. Jim. Bye-bye. Have a happy holiday season. Bye-bye. Uh, okay. Thanks, uh, Jim and Mark, for calling. Um, anybody else want to call? 203-336-9756. 203-336-9756. So if you uh, feel like calling in and you've got something you'd like to share or say, uh, please give me a call. I'm on for another 20 minutes or so.
Um, so I, I was starting to say that, you know, there's things that I think that um, uh, about the holidays. I think about, you know, New Year's and I think about New Year's resolutions. And I know how difficult it is for people to t- make a resolution and keep it. Uh, maybe you're unusual in that when you make a resolution, you really stick to it and you make the change and it happens and it stays changed. Again, I think that's somewhat unusual. Uh, but one of the things that I plan on spending some time talking about in another uh, pre-recorded show, because I'm going to be away for one of the weeks um, in January, is this idea of intentional change. Um, the idea that if I want to change something about me, I want to think about the big picture, not just the small change I want to make. And maybe it's a big change, but why am I making the change? What is it about the change I'm thinking I want to make? Why is that important? What is my ideal version of me a few years out? What do I want to have as a legacy? What do I want to be known for? What do I want people to think about when they think about me? How do I want people to feel when they think about, did I care about them? Did I matter to them? Did I make a difference somehow in their lives? Anyway, for me, aspirationally, as you heard me say just a moment ago, I love doing this show because I feel like if I can help somebody, that makes me, me makes me feel great. And, and like Jim was saying, you know, is that selfish at some level? In some ways it is because I do this for me and you. Because when I help you and I find a, I can make a meaningful, positive difference for you, I'm helping me too. The more I talk about this, the actually, in my own life, I get better at it. And in getting better at it, it's making everybody's lives around me that I interact with better because I'm doing more caring. I'm spending more time thinking about others and how to be helpful to them. As I'm trying to help you, it just keeps uppermost in my mind how important it is for me to help all those that I really care about and love. You know, when you think about it yourself and you think about who do you love in your life? I mean, really love. And maybe there's like two, three, maybe seven, maybe 15, 20, if you've got grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Maybe you're younger and you have just some extremely close friends or you have a partner that you've been with. But who do you really love? And one of the things I like to think, especially around the holiday season, is how much of that love do I actually show to them? Do I actually demonstrate in ways that they appreciate, not just for me to be a hero somehow because I'm so caring, but am I showing people what I think they need in order to feel the best they can about themselves? Am I helping people to feel that their aspirations, their dreams, that I care about those dreams too, and if I can help them achieve whatever it is they need or want to achieve, I'm going to do as best I can to be helpful and supportive of that? How often do you do those kind of things? So again, I want to leave you with this idea of, you know, a lot of times I I also thought about veterans in in recent times for lots of reasons. But um, one of the things is how thankful I am for people who do fight for our freedom and often give up quite a lot, sometimes their lives, of course, um, in in doing that. Um, But what are you you willing to give up? Not to to necessarily go to war, but, but, but to fight for the people you care most about. You know, to do whatever you can to be supportive. And the, 
the one thing that I, I, as I say that, I don't want anyone to feel like they need to do more if they're already doing a lot because you don't want to emotionally drown because you're helping everybody else and you're not taking care of yourself. So there's always a balancing act when you are trying to be helpful to others. And it's not all about always just helping others. It's also making sure you're healthy enough to be able to help somebody else, right? I mean, I always like to use the metaphor of the, uh, the plane flight where the flight attendant looks around, sees that she has some parents with young children, and she says, when the oxygen mask drops, make sure you put it on you first. Because if you go to put it on your child first, you may or may not get it on your child, but you might run out of oxygen and pass out. And then you're not able to help anybody. So when you think about that metaphor, to me what it says is, I got to make sure I have an oxygen. I'm healthy and physically able to move around so I can do more for others. But if I'm, you know, unable to be helpful in meaningful ways to others um, because I'm emotionally drowning, I'm not helping anybody. Sometimes there's a test I give, and um, I, this was another part of last week's show. It, it's called the Mesquite. It's the mayor. I mean, Mesquite stands for people's names. It stands for mayor, for Jack Mayer, Salve, for Peter Salve, uh, Caruso, for David Caruso. So MSC, Mayor Salve Caruso, EIT, Emotional Intelligence Test. And it measures people's emotional abilities. The whole idea is foreign to most people. So if you haven't listened to the show a lot, this might be a, a really challenging concept to understand. But what um, Jack Mayer and Peter Salve discovered late, well, late 1980s and published in 1990 was that um, we have emotional abilities that are different than our cognitive or analytic abilities. Um, and they are measurable. And we differ in these abilities. And they said the, these key abilities, emotional abilities, are the ability to identify emotions in others, use emotions. If we know certain emotions are better than other emotions for particular tasks, as I was saying earlier, uh, well, what emotion do I want to feel? So use emotions effectively. And then understand how emotions work, understand emotions. So we know how to change them. Or we know how to keep them if we think they're good, but they're hard to keep. And then finally, how do we manage emotions? And, and the managing emotions piece is really interesting because they said that in managing emotions, the way we measure it, what they call the branch, is that it has two tasks that make up the branch. So they're measuring, one, your own emotional, uh, your ability to manage your own emotions, so your internal emotions, and then your ability to manage your emotional relationships with others. So how you relate to them emotionally. And when you look at those two scores, it's not like addition and then divide by two to get what the number is. It's a different way of figuring out what your score would be on the branch. But they do give you two different scores on managing your own emotions and then managing your emotional relationships with others. They're different scores, but they make up the whole what they call the branch of managing emotions. So let's assume, just for example, that, well, first, this is true. Uh, 100 is average. Like 100 on a test for most people, that's, that's like 100% correct. That's not what 100 means here. 100 means that if you get 100 on their test, the mesquite, on this branch, that would mean that you're average. 
most people are going to fall around 100. But the two scores that make that up could be very different. And so here's why this is important. Because if your score is around 100, but your emotional relationship score, in terms of how you get along with other people, how you relate to them emotionally, is really high. It could be like 130, which is a really high score. Again, 100 is average. But your emotion, your uh, emotion management of your own emotions, your internal emotions, is like 70. So 70 and 130, again, with an arithmetic average, you can get to 100, but it's not about arithmetic averages. But still, if you had a 70 on internal emotion management, 130 on emotional relationship management with others, that's a huge difference, like 60 points. And, and yet your branch score might show up as 100, which means that, hey, you're competent, you're okay. What I have discovered in using this test with people over the years is that that 130 with others makes other people think like, man, you're the most emotionally intelligent person I've ever met because you care about me. You don't go home until I'm feeling okay. You don't leave work until you know that I'm okay if I work for you. How cool is that? That's how I feel about you. But inside, if you're only doing, if you're <laughs> operating at a 70 on managing internally, that's what I mean about emotionally drowning. You're doing everything for everybody else. And that's what I mean about the metaphor with the oxygen mask dropping, right? Make sure you've got enough oxygen so you can continue to help others. It isn't just about helping others, even though that's a great thing to do. So hopefully that's helpful to everybody out there as you're thinking about how do I navigate going forward over the holidays and going forward into the future here. But as I think about making changes and when I started to say about the holidays and this idea of um, how do you make lasting change, it involves a few key things. You want first a vision of the future, an exciting, compelling vision of the future for yourself. Who do I want to be in the future? What's my best possible potential to be the best version of me? What does that look like? How do I see myself as the best possible version of me? What have I heard others say is the best possible version of me? How do I take all this input about how I feel about myself, how I think about myself, how others have told me they feel about me, how others have told me they think about me? How do I take all of that and say, what's the best possible version of me? And then intentionally, how do I change towards that? So first, it's the vision of who it is I want to become. Second, it's what steps, what concrete first, second steps can I take? You don't have to have a whole laid out project plan, year long project plan, but you do need some concrete first or second steps. And then you need some pressure. I mean, it's easy to say, I want to be, um, you know, I want to be a, a leader. I want to be a, um, a benevolent philanthropist uh, who has accumulated many riches, but have given those riches out to lots of other charitable organizations and, and people with much greater need uh, or whatever you think, you know, you aspire to. And it's easy to say that kind of thing. But then what is your plan for it? And what, what is the need for it? And what is their pressure? Because without pressure, you can have really great vision and even some concrete steps and still not do anything because, hey, we're all busy, you know? We got voice messages, our voice messages that are filled up. We're getting too many texts that we can't respond to, too many emails, uh, too many bills, too many 
everything. <laughs> and so we just don't get to anything that's um, what we think is meaningful change for ourselves. So I'd like you, to, and I'll say more about this in the show that I pre-recorded, but so how do you take the steps to make change really lasting? How do, how do you create change that lasts? So, all right, let me see if there's anybody else that wants to call. I've got a few minutes left. 203-336-9756. Well, even if you just want to call and offer good wishes for the new year, I'd be happy to hear from you for the last couple of minutes here. Um, again, 203-336-9756. I would like to say that I'm very thankful for all of you that do listen. Um, lots of times when people have called, I've gotten some lovely comments about the show. Again, this is my uh, 13th year. I'm just finishing it up. And we're on to the 14th year, starting in January. So it's, it's every December, I'm always reflective a bit about, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. When I started, I thought, uh, again, Lou Pomalis, uh, who's usually on Sunday afternoons, if you have a chance to listen to him. Um, by the way, Lou did one of the best shows I've ever heard with a, a professor on whole the whole culture of Latino, Hispanic community members and um, the different um, definitions. Latinx, what does that mean? How, how do different people view all these terms? How do people see themselves? He had a professor on, and uh, he interspersed it with music. He edited it. He did a great job. I don't know if it's archived anywhere, but, it, boy, it was a great show. We happened, happened to be driving through on Sunday, and my wife and I were in the car and listening to him. And it was really like I, call, I just wrote him and called him and said, gee, what a great show. Anyway, Lou asked me if I would come on the air, and um, this was, goes back now, as I said. I think it was 2009, I guess, I started, and... Um, it was, uh, it's, it's, I thought when he asked me, I said, well, okay, sure. That sounds great. I'd actually had a radio show a long time before that. But one of the things that I thought about was, mm, I wonder how long I can do this. Cause it's, you know, it's monthly commitments, right? You got to be here pretty regular. Um, and I haven't, I've, you know, I, I have one tape show. I occasionally run, um, I like to run in September or, or August timeframe because it's about young, um, young women, uh, who are leaving high school and going off to college. And it's just a great show. <clears throat> and it was done with a couple of people who used to work here. Or one of them was an intern here, uh, Victoria Nachman, who is now having children. I mean, <laughs> she's gone through and been through college already. So really, uh, it's kind of funny just to hear her back then. But but it's about what to expect and about staying in touch and about how lonely it can feel. And anyway, it's a show that it was just such a good show. It's a good show to play in August. So, but every other show I do, I'm almost always doing a new show, even if it's a tape show, because I create new shows with interviews with really leading thinkers and also just combinations of things I've done in the past that I think have a pr an important purpose to talk about now. So anyway, one of the things that I, I'd like to share with you is just that <clears throat> when I think about doing the show, I thought about doing it for a year and maybe more, but I thought maybe a year would be, would be great. Uh, I took a little bit and then I'm, I'm on and then I'm doing it for a while and then all of a sudden five years have gone by. I thought, my, I never thought I'd be doing this for five years. And then 10 years went by. <laughs> I thought, this is really pretty remarkable that I'm still on the air 10 years later. Um, of course, 
I got much better at it, I think, or at least I hope you think so. Um, only because I think if you first start on radio, at least for me, and I expect for a lot of others, um, what do I say? How do I communicate? How do I get people to trust me enough to want to call? This isn't easy to pick up the phone and call and put your stuff on the air um, with people. But I've been doing it for a while. And uh, again, I'm very thankful that all of you have listened, that PKN has continued to sponsor the show, and that I've been on for these this number of years. Um, uh, as I'm entering my senior years myself, and I've been here for a little while, um, I don't know how long it goes on for. Uh, but as long as I run, as long as I'm here, I'm on the first and second Wednesdays of each month from 12 to 1 p.m. And again, I'll, I'll have one uh, show live next time, and then the one afterwards I won't be here for. Uh, I won't be able to come. I've got something else going on that day. Um, but it'll be a show about changes and about how to harness the energy and the, the, the feelings we have around trying to change. And, and one of the things, if you've listened to me before, talk to people about themes in their lives, one of the things I'll be emphasizing when I'm on that show is this idea that, hey, you know, we all have triggers in our lives. And we're likely to experience some of those triggers over the holiday season with relatives and loved ones that we haven't seen in a while who happen to have different opinions than us. <laughs> well, as we experience that trigger, I think, as I started to say before, Craig Ferguson had some thoughts about what not to say. <laughs> he said, whenever I hear something and I want to respond, I ask myself, and, and it's a controversial kind of uh, query or a conversation or topic, I ask myself, so... Um, is this something that needs to be said? That's the first question he asked. The second question is, is this something that needs to be said by me? Another great question. And the third question is, does it need to be said by me now? <laughs> and he said, it took him three marriages to figure all those questions out. <laughs> uh, Kirk Ferguson is a funny Scottish fellow who's a comedian. And a, but that's some of the best advice I think I can give anybody that I've ever heard. And I, honestly, it's helped me out at times when I push back on myself before I'm about to say something. Am I really going to change anybody's mind <laughs> with this? Do I really need to say this? Does this need to be said by me? And does it need to be said by me now? Uh, and even if it does all, if, even if I answer yes to all that, does it need to be said in front of everybody? Or can I just talk to the one person I really want to address this to? Anyway, I hope that's helpful as you think about it. I'm about to sign off and I want to thank you all for being uh, part of uh, my community, uh, part of the PKN community, and for listening. Um, I wish you a wonderful 2023 and a wonderful Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever whatever holiday you celebrate. I hope it's a great one for you and I hope the new year brings everything that you want. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being with you today. Again, this is Chuck Wolf, WPKN, The Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. Bye-bye now. Support for WPKN comes from M&T Bank, celebrating the power of together. Together, moving communities forward while giving back. Together, supporting small businesses, nonprofits, and families here in Connecticut and New York. More information about M&T's commitment to the people, businesses, and community organizations they serve is available at mtb.com slash togetherwecan or any local M&T bank branch. Member FDIC. Come celebrate the holidays with WPKN on Sunday, December 18th, 
at the Park City Music Hall in Bridgeport for a very Slambovian Christmas featuring the Slambovian Circus of Dreams, a benefit concert to support your community radio station WPKN and the Black Rock Food Pantry. This special benefit concert is sure to spark the holiday spirit. Along with seasonal classics turned upside down, the Slambovian Circus of Dreams will be performing songs from their latest album, A Very Unusual Head. This is an all-ages show, and in the spirit of the holidays, we ask that you bring a non-perishable item to help support the Black Rock Food Pantry. That's Sunday, December 18th, at the Park City Music Hall, located at 2926 Fairfield Avenue, in the Black Rock section of Bridgeport. For more information, go to wpkn.org or search for our event page on Facebook. Look forward to seeing you there. This is Hazel Kahn inviting you to tune into Tidings on Wednesday when psychoanalytic psychologist Maya Laska Wolfish daughter of a Holocaust survivor, will talk about how trauma is transmitted from one generation to the next. Wednesday, 8 p.m. Please join us if you can. Thank you. I'm Ralph Baskin, a WPKN volunteer supporting sustaining members in our member card program. I've spoken to many of you during fund drives. Sustaining membership is one of the best ways you can support WPKN, helping us budget and plan better to provide more of what you expect from the best radio station in the world. There's a benefit of sustaining membership that gives something back to you. The WPKN Member Card. You get two-for-one dining offers and other savings opportunities across our area. There are travel benefits for car rentals, hotels, and theme parks, too. If you live outside our area, you can also find offers where you live. Benefits are automatic for a donation of $15 or more per month and are in addition to any gift or premium you already received. Member cards renew every year you remain a sustaining member. Questions or issues with your sustaining membership? Email me at membercard at wpkn.org. If you're already a sustaining member, thank you. If not, please consider it by going to wpkn.org and clicking the red Donate button. Bridge House is a community for adults with persistent mental illness who choose to take an active role in their recovery. Since 1986, Bridge House in Bridgeport has helped thousands of courageous men and women who have walked through its doors find hope and purpose in their lives. We are dedicated to supporting individuals in their recovery process through employment, education, and social experiences. Bridge House is a unique resource for anyone with a mental illness who wants help. Information about Bridge House and the services we provide can be found at bridgehousect.org or by calling 203-335-5339. Do you know a child struggling to cope following the loss of a loved one? I'm Allison Wysota, founder of Adams House in Shelton, Connecticut. At Adams House, we offer no-cost peer-to-peer grief support for children ages 5 to 18 and their families. Through our eight-week curriculum-based program called Helping Hearts Heal, Participants explore their grief feelings through play, art, music, and a warm, caring, and home-like atmosphere. Adams House is conveniently located off Route 8 and is the only freestanding bereavement center in Fairfield County. It is free to all Connecticut residents. To learn more about how you can start your healing journey with Adams House, please visit us at adamshousect.org or call 203-513-2808. Hi, this is Rick Patron, host of The Jazz Sound, every Monday afternoon 
from 1 to 4. My shows are always filled with music, stories, current jazz events, and interesting conversations with jazz artists. So please join me here on WPKN in Bridgeport, 89.5 FM, and WPKN.org. And tell your friends to listen in.